Hi, it's JJ Leahy for No Huddle Radio. Quick correction. Zadarius Smith is a guy we talk about in this episode a bit. He is getting moved to injured reserve per Matt LaFleur on Friday. The Packers are signing uh, edge rusher Ladarius Hamilton off the Buccaneers practice squad to add some depth at that outside linebacker position. So it's going to be all the Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith show out there for a while. Very disappointed here, but hopefully this stint on IR is short and helps Zadarius get all the way back to full strength. Smith is going to short-term IR, which means he will miss at least three weeks. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. Your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And I'm your host, JJ Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We're looking to bounce back from last week's disappointing performance in the 38-3 loss to the New Orleans Saints. We're looking ahead to this week's Monday night matchup versus the Lowly Lions. Gil, I'm going to set a three-minute timer here because we don't want to talk too long about this. We want to talk about the Lions. My question to you, was there anything you saw in the Saints game that has you concerned about this Lions game? Uh, I, I, You know, I'll put it in the most general, simple, straightforward terms possible. Yeah, the issue that I had was the team did not look emotionally and mentally ready to play. And if they continue to do that, this is going to be one of the most disappointing seasons in Packers history. So the only things that I saw that really concerned me um, were I, I did not love what I was seeing from the offensive line. Uh, Billy Turner graded out well, but there were too many times when he let a guy get through and I'm seeing Billy Turner chasing down a guy he was supposed to be block blocking. Um, not, not okay with that. Uh, also, special teams to me looks every bit as bad as it has the last two years. Maybe has taken a step in the wrong direction. Um, I don't care about the new punter. I don't care about J.K. Scott or Corey Bohorquez. The the punting to me is not the issue. It's the other ten guys on the field on special teams. I thought they looked as bad as they have the last couple of years. I was really hoping to see some more discipline. And then even so on Rogers second interception where he's backed up into the end zone, he was in that position because we had a guy out there to return the punt and I'm watching it with my family and, and they turned to me and they said, what the heck just happened? Why did that guy? I don't, I, I couldn't see whether it was Kylan Hill or Mari Rogers. And I, I didn't want to watch that, that play again. Um, <laughs> We had we had him out there to return the punt. He looks at it and just walks away, just assuming that it's going to go for a touchback. And of course, a saint comes up and downs it at like the one yard line. To me, that is crap. And I was frustrated in the moment when I saw him just walking away before uh, a saint even came up and down the ball. And at that point, I was assuming, yeah, it probably will go for a touchback. But I don't like that you're just choosing not to do your job. That's frustrating to me. 
Uh, I'm I I just special teams is it has been a liability, and you you could say that okay, yeah, Rogers should not have thrown that pick, but the that whole series that led to the pick uh, of uh, you know three three snaps there would have gone much differently if we were not backed up in our own end zone, and that was directly special teams' fault. So those are the two things that concern me. Um, everything else. It's week one. Look, if the Packers come out and lay an egg against the Lions again this week, if they look bad uh, next week, yeah, I'll have I'll be very very concerned. But off of just one week, I I don't really care about the thirty eight to three. Um, I, I I just I did it did it's it felt way more like a fluke. As I was watching the game, I was not panicking. I was not upset. I I could I could tell by the third quarter that. Obviously, we were not going to win the game. It still felt in hand to me for a long time, and I I don't share the same concerns about the defense yet that a lot of fans do. I expected and have said several times on this podcast that I was fully expecting the Packers' defense to come out slow to start the year and pick up speed as they went along. To me, the spots that the offense put them in all day um, after probably the first quarter, I was mostly feeling okay about, about the defense up until obviously in the fourth quarter, they gave up because the offensive get, had given up. So there you go. Uh, timer just went off. So we got to be done talking about the saints <laughs> time to focus on the lions. Uh, I, the, this is obviously, obviously for anybody who did not watch the game, I'll just tell you right now, this is one of those times where the, uh, final score does not reflect the game. <laughs> um, this was a 49ers team that just, for some reason at the end of the game gave up, uh, caring to the point where the lions were within reach of mounting a comeback, which was unacceptable, but that was all 49ers to me. It didn't tell me a ton about the Lions. Some of the things that I did like about the Lions um, that I've seen from Dan Campbell were his aggressiveness. You know, he went for it on a bunch of fourth downs, particularly early in the game when, uh, look, we've always seen the Lions go for it on fourth down a ton, but that's always because it's at the end of the game when they're getting blown out and you got to do that. He was right. going for it early and trying to keep it a game. So I have a lot of confidence in where this team is going long-term other than the fact that it is, you know, the lions, um, <laughs> but their roster is certainly lacking. Yeah. And look, I give them credit for this. Yeah. Uh, they were getting blown out, but at the end of the day, they didn't give up. They mounted the comeback. They even had, what they, they had the ball in 49ers territory down by eight points toward the end of that game in the closing drive. So, you know, even though they were down 38 to 10, I believe it was, they still, you know, didn't give up, gave it their all and almost pulled, you know, pulled back even at the end of this game. So I give them credit for that. I think there is a new attitude in Detroit. I think that, you know, certainly they are in a better place emotionally than they were in the last couple of years under Matt Patricia. But as you said, this is still not a playoff caliber team talent wise. And I think they'll still be lucky to win six games this year. All right. We need to have opening arguments made in favor of each team. 
We need somebody to represent the Lions, somebody to represent the Packers. I will give you first choice of, of which team you want to defend. This is not which team you think is going to win. It's just which one are you going to have more fun presenting an argument for? Well, I think last week I had to do the Saints, so I'm going to give you the Lions this week. All right, fair enough. All right, in defense of the Packers, Mr. Gil Martin, will you please present your case for why the Packers will win this week? Briefly put, the Packers are the more talented team, and I think when you add to the fact that this is the home opener, this is a nationally televised game, and this is a Packers team that was embarrassed last week, and everybody is questioning whether or not you know this last dance is over before it starts. I think the Packers will come out spirited, a chip on their shoulder, They'll feel like they have something to prove, and therefore they will take care of business. And presenting the argument in favor of the Lions, Mr. J.J. Leahy, put it this way. The Lions always play the Packers very tough. They're an aggressive team. They don't like the Packers. They give it their all. Beating the Packers is their Super Bowl. And they've given us a run for their money, for our money, uh, three out of the last four times that we played them. Additionally, the Packers have shown a tendency to have a really hard time getting going if you hit them hard first. And the Lions know that. They've capitalized that on that in the past. Additionally, Aaron Rodgers is 0-42 and in his career when trailing by more than one point in the fourth quarter. Now, there is an asterisk that comes against teams with a winning record. <laughs> so the Lions, <laughs> the Lions don't qualify there. They're 0-1. But it, it does show that the game needs to be won in the middle for the Packers. And if you get off to a hot start against them, or if you uh, still have a lead against them in the fourth quarter, the odds are in your favor. And, 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 I, and I do think that the Lions, what they lack in talent they make up for in effort and enthusiasm and that's something we always see against the Packers it is it is although I do recall a few second half comebacks in what was it 2019 where the Packers beat the Lions twice but did not have a lead in either game until the final play so you know if there's an exception to that rule that you stated it might be against Detroit so I want to talk a little bit about what the Lions look like offensively. And then uh, then we got to talk about some key matchups in this game. If you can even call it key matchups. Oh, there, there are <laughs> a few. The, with the, the talent the, the Lions have. They, they, they do have a couple guys. We are going to talk about them. Uh, guys who, who do actually have the tools to hurt the Packers. Yes. But I want to talk about the Lions offensively last week. Remember, remember what we said at the beginning of the episode uh, last week when we were previewing the Saints? We said this was that was going to be the hardest game to preview because we had no film on the 2021 Saints. And for that matter, no film on the 2021 Packers. So we have a little bit more to go off of this week for the Lions. So last week, we did get a sense for how they like to use their guys. 71% of the time, they were in 11 personnel. You know, one running back, one tight end three wide receivers 
uh, 78% of all their passing attempts came out of 11 personnel. Now, when they were in 11 personnel, they were successful only 47% of the time, which is an interesting um, coincidence because they they had 47 passing attempts. <laughs> uh, they rushed uh, only 13 times out of 11 personnel, and they only had 38% success. So they're in 11 personnel a lot of the time. They're not super successful at it. They have more success when they change things up. So I would say unpredictability is something to keep an eye on for the Lions offense this week. Go no, ahead. I'd agree with that. And and I think when you get back to the point that this team does have a talent deficit, unpredictability is your friend. That's true. Uh, actually, I'm going to take a break from the personnel for a second and look at their their receivers because it so they 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 ran zero empty sets with you know four four wide receivers um partly because i i just don't think they have the ability to do that so their leading wide receiver was trinity benson he was targeted mm-hmm. six times quintez cephas was also targeted six times but benson had more yards uh, 19 compared to 12. The top three pass catchers on the Lions were running backs DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and of course TJ Hawkinson. Those three guys are your your only real weapons. The trio of wide receivers that they are rotating in and out of there: Trinity Benson, Quintez Cephas, and Khalif Raymond. Um were not able to get much going last week. Now you did have Khalif Raymond was kind of more your deep threat. Uh, he racked up 50 yards on four targets, three receptions, <clears throat> but he wasn't utilized as much as Cephas or Benson. So when you're defending the running backs and the tight ends, your linebackers are going to be a lot more important. Um, And that, to me, is a big concern. This is one of my key matchups is our linebackers against the running backs and TJ Hawkinson. We're going to need to get our DBs involved in uh, shutting those three guys down, which does open you up to some of the stuff that we've seen uh, in the last two Packers games with um, obviously you had in the NFC Championship game, you had Kevin King getting blown wide open by Scotty Miller. And then this last week, exact same thing happened again against Kevin King with Deontay Harris. Um, I'm ready to bench Kevin King, by the way. Let's put Stokes out there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are ready to to bench King, and, and I understand why. Look, uh, when I was looking at this game, to me, TJ Hawkinson is the biggest matchup problem for the Packers. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, and I don't think I could do too much worse than what happened on Sunday. But uh, to me, you want to mix up your coverages. And part of the time, you're going to want to use Devondre Campbell, who is supposed to be the the cover linebacker. I would have him on Hawkinson part of the time and then go with his safety uh, the other part of the time and just mix that up to keep the Lions guessing a little bit. Uh, and, you know, if anybody's going to get double teamed also to me, it's got to be Hawkinson because I am not afraid of the other wide receivers out there for Detroit, even with Kevin King covering one of them. 
normally I would just flat out agree with you. Uh, last week's Kevin King performance kind of left me a little bit shaken uh, in that confidence, but but I, I will go ahead and agree with you. It's just not as strongly as I would have been one week ago. Um, <laughs> and we can't, we also can't discount those running backs, by the way. No, can't do that. Well, look, we all no. know what Jamal Williams can do. And he's continuing to do that in Detroit, at least through one game so far. Now, DeAndre Swift was utilized more heavily both in the pass and rush game. But Jamal Williams was more effective at both. He got close to doubling Swift's yards um, rushing with two fewer attempts. And then receiving, uh, so another coincidence, so DeAndre Swift had 11 uh, rushing and receiving. uh, Is that right? He had 11 rushes and 11 targets. Okay. Jamal Williams had nine rushes and nine targets. Uh, Very symmetrical. Very. And then uh, both of those guys, uh, even though Swift was targeted two more times, they both had eight receptions. Um, Yards, total yards was... Uh, really comparable. Uh, I was incorrect when I said that uh, Jamal was more productive receiving than DeAndre Swift was, but it's very, very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, handful of yards. So don't want to discount those running backs. And, and I think TJ Hawkinson can be a good diversion, which opens up one of those running backs to really burn you as well underneath. Yeah, and and I think, you know, Jamal Williams will have a chip on his shoulder. He has something to prove. Uh, The fans loved him in Green Bay. His teammates loved him in Green Bay, and he wants to show the Packers, hey, you guys made a mistake by not bringing me back. Yeah, he actually had a clip uh, this week talking to reporters and talking about some of the kind of hurt feelings he had. I mean, it was in Jamal Williams' Uh, style so it wasn't like super emotional and and uh, upset or anything it was you know it's kind of laid back but he clearly has has some hurt feelings toward the Packers organization for choosing uh, not to bring him back and uh, I think that this he's setting it up to feel a bit like a revenge game for him mm-hmm. as he should yep yep by the way I, mean- I, I, I found that stat that I that had me confused earlier so Jamal Williams was more productive for attempts rushing and receiving. Uh, he had 6.2 yards per target as opposed to DeAndre Swift's 5.9 receiving and then uh, did lead him in rushing. So that was where it came from. Uh, Swift did have more yards and more targets, but um, yards per target is the stat that I had gotten hung up on when I was looking at receiving. All good. Okay. Do you want to talk about uh, defense, or do you think we should spend any time talking about Jared Goff for whatever he brings to the table? Yeah, no, I think we should discuss Goff. I mean, look, I think Goff is a, is a step down from Matthew Stafford, who has been in Detroit the last few years. Here's a guy whose confidence may be waning a little bit after a, a near MVP type performance two, three years ago. He's been injured. He's struggled since then, had some issues with his coach out in LA, ends up in Detroit with a team around him that has a lot less talent than what we saw him do, you know, uh, playing with in Los Angeles. 
Uh, I think the Packers can put some pressure on Goff and get him off his game. I don't think he's as quick at getting rid of the ball as Stafford was. And I think that that's a matchup the Packers need to take advantage of. Yeah, he was sacked three times last week. Um, the the Packers have to get pressure this this week. They were they were generating pressure technically last week, but didn't result in um, any actual sacks outside of the one that the refs took back from Zadarius. Uh. <laughs> uh, Goff had a ninety two point six quarterback rating and three hundred thirty eight yards last week. Um, his long was 43 yards. He did have one interception and three touchdowns. He was serviceable. Uh, definitely a, a lot of those stats did pile up toward the end of the game when mm-hmm. again, the, the Niners just let that one get out of hand. And I, I blame them for that rather than giving a ton of credit to the lions, but it, it does kind of go to show that the Packers can't, can't uh, feel like they got this one in the bag too early. They they really need to keep their their foot on the Lions' necks and really make sure this one is salted away and don't let them mount a comeback toward the end uh, the way that uh, the Niners did. Yeah, I mean, the old expression, uh, all gas, no break, it has to apply on Monday night. Absolutely, it does. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, via PFF, his grade last week, uh, 66.7, just barely above average passer grade was, uh, 65.4. Uh, don't care a ton about rushing except that Jameis Winston was extremely, um, what do you want to call it? Successful, uh, scrambling against the Packers last week, by the way, if Jameis Winston, who is not a mobile dude at all was able to gash us that way. I am very alarmed because this year we play Lamar Jackson, Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and probably Trey Lance as well. Uh, and, and probably Justin Fields. Uh, very nervous for that. Uh, I mean, even, even Ryan Tannehill had like a 50 yard run against us last year. <laughs> I don't like it at all. It's another bad sign that that does have me nervous um, for this week. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about this when we were previewing the season that we expect the defense to struggle a little bit more early as they adjust to Joe Mm -hmm. Barry's system. I don't think we expected it to struggle as much as it did in week one. But I, I think you have to be a little bit patient uh, and hope that, you know, this team much like last year in the last half of the season and certainly the last six games, the defense took a big step forward. I'm hoping we see a similar type of reaction as this team learns the system, what's expected of them and gets more comfortable. I mean, so many times against the saints, it looked like the uh, coverage, the defensive backs were looking at each other and saying, Hey, I thought someone was supposed to be there. Why weren't you covering here? I thought I had help on this play can't see that and that has to get reduced significantly as the season goes on. So our key matchups this week, we got TJ Hawkinson and the running backs versus um, our linebackers and safeties. Uh, I'm also going to throw out there. So Taylor Decker is on IR, correct? And yes, Penny Sewell is now starting at left tackle. Right. Um, and Akuda is on IR and yeah. lost for the season. Yep. 
those are two guys that I, I would definitely have had as as key matchups to keep an eye on. Okuda was not good last week. He wasn't good last year, but he's still the best cornerback that they have. This is a a very poor secondary. But that's also what we said about the Saints last week, and the Packers <laughs> failed to capitalize on that. So this week, they need to do a better job of that. Devontae and Aaron Rodgers both said that they have had conversations with each other about all the double teaming that Devontae is facing and that they want to just go ahead and keep targeting him anyways. And um, I just want to throw it out there. I think that might be a little bit BS because I think that could be something that you would say so that opposing teams um, aren't concerned about the other guys you're actually trying to target so much and, and, and do keep locking down on Devontae. I could be way off. They could be just shooting it straight. But if it were me, uh, that that's the uh, tactic I would be taking right there. Yeah, that would be the tactic, too. But there still also could be some truth behind it. So uh, it, it could be a little bit of both. Uh, at the end of the day, the Packers should have an advantage. Their receivers should be able to, to get nice chunks of yardage against a depleted and not very good to begin with Detroit secondary. Um, and then Penny Sewell, uh, he played decently well. Uh, he did. I, was, I was pleased with what I saw, but he's also, you know, this is the second game of his career. Uh, if you're not beating him right now, even though I think he could be very good, uh, down the road in the future. Um, if you're not beating him this week, what are you even doing? <laughs> we need our pass rush to get home. Uh, it's mostly going to come in the form of Rashawn and Preston. Um, Zedarius did play obviously last week, but he didn't play very much and he has not been participating in practice. And LaFleur said he's not going to be a bigger feature in games until he can practice more. And I think it has to be that way. You got to be patient with that. It's more important to have him late in the season than it is in these early games. And it has to be that way. Yeah, looking at the rest of our injury report, by the way, Vernon Scott limited, Darnell Savage limited. I guess he hurt his shoulder on that interception um, on the Zadarius Smith phantom sack play. Lucas Patrick and Josiah DeGuar are both out. Uh, they're not practicing at all. They're in concussion protocol. I would not expect either one of them to play. So that probably means John Runyon starting at left guard, do you think? Uh, very possible. Yeah. So that's something else to keep an eye on. The lions don't have a fantastic pass rush, but you know, John Runyon is not a starter for a reason. Tyler Lancaster limited, uh, in practice on Thursday, he's dealing with a back issue and an ankle issue. Uh, Josh Myers is the other guy on the Packers injury report, full participant, um, he hurt his finger. My guess is it's probably broken. If it's actually on the injury report, could be something else. Uh, I haven't heard, but, um, hopefully that's on his non-dominant hand, uh, would hate to see issues with, um, with the, uh, hand, with, with the snap. If he has, um, an issue with his finger there, looking at the lions, uh, defensive end, Kevin strong, who I've never heard of is in concussion protocol as is wide receiver Tyrell Williams who 
probably would be one of the guys I'd be paying more attention to, except that he was barely featured last week, um, largely probably due to his concussion. Uh, but he's out. He's gone. Jamal and DeAndre Swift are both limited with little minor injuries. I'm not thinking that's going to affect anything. Michael Brockers, Trey Flowers, and Romeo Okwara. Those are probably your three biggest names on defense uh, outside of Jeff Okuda, who's now on IR. Those guys right. all limited in practice and all had shoulder injuries. Uh, maybe the Packers get lucky and one of those guys doesn't play. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it, it certainly would help make it easier. But look, at the end of the day, you got to line up against whoever you line up against and beat them. Which, uh, which I believe the Packers can do, even though they didn't do it last week. I, I agree. I, I think, you know, this is a game where they have to show what they are capable of doing or else the doubters are really going to be coming out of this. All right. Uh, real quick, what is the key to success for the Packers on defense? Get some pressure on Goff and contain Hawkinson. All right. On offense, establish the run. We barely ran it at all last week. We were not very successful when we did so. Um, LaFleur admitted that he gave up on the run way too early. Uh, and can we start paying attention to what kinds of runs are having success? Cause too often we see like they keep trying to hand the ball off to Aaron Jones when Jones isn't getting any, any success. And maybe he's like, you know, doing outside zone runs and freakish linebackers like the Buccaneers have are absolutely shutting him down. Meanwhile, you hand the ball off to uh, AJ Dillon last week or Jamal or an AJ last year and try and run it right up the middle and you're getting 10, 12 yards a pop. And then we never go back to that. Can we, can we quit doing that? Can we just pay attention to what kinds of runs are actually working? So establish the run on offense and Rogers has to play better. I think the, the biggest problem we saw offensively last week was that Rogers just, he, he, he wasn't there and, and he fully owned up to it that he didn't play well. Uh, the rest of the offense didn't super concern me. Um, but when your quarterback is not uh, himself, you're going to have issues everywhere. And that's what we saw. Those are my two keys to offensive success. Am I missing anything? No, and and I think, you know, the other thing, I guess, and it's really similar to what you said, but a little bit different, you got to run the ball enough. I mean, this this offense is predicated to a large extent on play-action passing. Last week, they ran the ball 15 times, and seven of those runs came after Jordan Love was in the game and the outcome was already decided. Run the ball enough to keep the defense honest or you're really going to be in trouble. You know what? That I don't know why that made me think of um, something we saw last week, but the the Saints were running a lot of two high safety looks, which was making the Packers go on these long drives because they were not having success deep down the field. And by the way, that's what the Packers like to do to other other teams, uh, at least mm -hmm. under uh, under Mike Pettin, that was the case. I very much question whether the Lions have this have the safeties to uh, limit the Packers deep passing uh, game. They got here are the safeties on their roster. 
Tracy Walker, you've heard of him. He's okay. Mm-hmm. CJ Moore, uh, he's a third-year player. Yeah, third-year player. Have you heard of him? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> Have you heard of Dean Marlowe? Sounds like a character out of A Christmas Carol. No. <laughs> <laughs> and what about uh, Will Harris? Yes, I've heard of Will Harris. Okay, those are the Lions safeties. It's a very different group than the Saints safeties, which, by the way, we pointed out as being a strength of the Saints defense last year. Dean Marlowe has the most experience out of that whole group. Uh, he's been in the league for six years. Uh Last week, he had a 60 overall grade. Uh, last year, he had a 53.6, although he was a particularly effective pass rusher, but that's not what we're talking about here. And then uh, Tracy Walker, been in the league for four years. Last week, he had a 65 overall grade, so above average, mm-hmm. uh, 60 is average. Last year, he had a 51. So these guys are historically not good. Um historically slightly below average, uh, but they both played decently well last week. This is still not even close to what the Saints were throwing at us, and the Packers need to capitalize on that and make sure that they are opening up that deep threat so that they can spread the ball around everywhere else as well and not be limited. Yeah, no question about that. It, that is a good strategy, and and I think you know the other part of it, that was frustrating to me last week. Aaron Rodgers has to take what the defense is giving him. He was, you know, you, you mentioned the Saints came out and tried to take away the deep pass, the big play. He had play uh, receivers. When I watched the All-22, he had receivers open underneath for short gains, and he wasn't taking it. He was staying in that pocket, holding the ball, and trying to go downfield. And when he should have realized that the Saints were trying to take that away, he didn't make the adjustment, and the the nor, neither did Matt Lafleur, and the and the strategy remained: hold the ball, try to get those chunk plays down the field. Can't do it that way. They've got to take what the defense gives them, and then dictate to the defense by down and distance, the you know the, the strategy and the next play and, and and so on. So we've got to see that. You're exactly right, and that's something we have complained about a lot in the last few blowout losses we've had that when the game starts to get out of hand, uh, we're not good at adjusting and we keep, we keep, okay, let me, let me just say sidetrack for one second. You know how a lot of people were complaining in the NFC championship game about the decision to kick the field goal. And they were saying, well, you got to put the hand, the ball in Rogers hands. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to trust him in these situations. I would just like to point out to you know, some of these games where nothing is really working. And so our decision is, well, let's just, we'll just trust the ball to our best player and trust that he'll make a play. Didn't work against Tampa in the regular season. Didn't work against the saints uh, last week. Didn't work against the chargers in 2019. You, yes, Rogers is great. This is not an anti Rogers bit that I'm on. It's a, we got to diversify. It can't be just Rodgers. You got to have other stuff that you're leaning on as well. And the run game last week, it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't useless either. I would say maybe it was useless when you were handing the ball off to Aaron Jones. I'm not sure if it's just the the style of run that he has just doesn't match up as well. Not sure if it's 
Maybe he's dealing with some injury bug that we don't really know about. Or he just was off his game that day. Whatever the reason, A.J. Dillon was having success. You allow Rodgers the room to actually work his magic and play well and create those big plays when he's not the only one doing all the heavy lifting. And this, to me, did not feel like a case of nobody else showed up. It was we were choosing to use nobody else and leaning only on the guy who didn't really show up last week. And and that is unacceptable to me from a coaching standpoint. Matt LaFleur has to do better. Yeah, he does. And and we've seen this happen before in big road games in each of the three seasons now that LaFleur has been coaching. It's not just that the Packers lost. It's that they they just lose big. It looks like they're not ready to play and the adjustments aren't made mid-game. By the way, uh, the Packers were barely favored to win last week. I think it was three and a half or, or maybe by the time game started, it was a, a four-point favorite. But this week, they are 11 and a half point favorites. Uh, this would be the, in the Matt LaFleur era, this would be the uh, fourth best odds they've given to the Packers. Uh, the other three would be in two games in 2019, Washington and Detroit. They were 13 point favorites against Washington, 12 and a half against Detroit. They won both of those games by five points or less, but they did win them. Uh, and then last year against Jacksonville, they were 13 and a half point favorites. They won by four points. So they don't cover very well, but they, they win when they are uh, big favorites like that. They are in the Lafleur era. They are 12 and 0 when they are at least six point favorites. Remember, this is an 11 and a half point favorite uh, this week. And they are five and three when they're not favored. But they're also 11 and one in the Lafleur era versus the NFC North. And I would, I would have to say that the um, of the Lions teams that we have played in the last. Uh, three years this is easily the worst lions team and they are already still four and oh so this is a game the packers should win handily it's it's the same team we've seen the last couple of years i'm not concerned about everything just falling apart um but uh all all the signs point to they should win this game no, I agree. The signs point to it, but the signs pointed that way last week, too. So this team is at a, a point where they really need to take care of business and prove that the week one embarrassment to the Saints was a fluke that they just, you know, there are days when you wake up and everything goes wrong. They have to show that that's what happened last Sunday in Jacksonville. All right. Who's going to win this game and give me your final score prediction? Well, I think we both agree the, that the Packers are going to win this game. I'm going with 38-21 to 21 as my final score. 38-21. Okay. I'm also taking the Packers. I think it's going to be a little bit of a low-scoring game on both sides. Uh, I'm still giving the Lions. I think the Lions put up probably – doing the math in my head here. I say they put up 20 points. I th- I think the Lions put up less than 20 points. I think I think the Lions uh, are going to get 17 points and the Packers are going to put up mm, 31. 31-17 is my prediction. Sounds good to me. All righty. 
Well, folks, we're excited for another week of Packers football. Hopefully you are as well. Thanks for tuning in. That does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us questions at askmillpuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com